Welcome to Science Fiction vs. Science Fact, the podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Cherry, science teacher at Henderson County High School, and I've got a few of my students today to talk about the uh, science fiction presented as fact. Now, we start, well, introduce you guys first. Oh, so, hi, I'm Peyton Littlepage. I'm Chris Galbraith. I'm Jack Mail, and I'd like to shout out Chris's mom. Hi, Miss Galbraith. <laughs> she got me here. All right. Okay, um, so we're discussing science fiction as it's presented as fact. Now, we started out this unit in this class watching a movie called The Night That Panicked America. Now, this is a movie depicting the result of the War of the Worlds radio play. I'd like one of you guys to give us a little synopsis about what that was or how it was. All right, uh, the World War of the Worlds was uh, a play put on by the radio about an alien invasion of a city, and uh, they sent in National Guard, but all their soldiers were killed. Right. Okay. So the radio play was a fictional adaptation of H.G. Wells' book, War of the Worlds. Orson Welles was the one putting on the radio play. So how was it received according to the movie that we watched? People flipped out. Yeah, people flipped out. They they thought it was actually happening, right? So that leads into what we're discussing is science fiction misinterpreted or presented as fact. So what led to that reaction? Why did people believe it was real? The radio play kind of set an example that it was so realistic that people actually started to believe it, and they didn't hear at the beginning, you know, this is a radio play. Instead, they took whatever they heard off the radio to be true. So that's why you had this mass hysteria. Okay, right, because at the beginning, Orson Welles did say, this is a radio play, an adaptation of H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds. But if you didn't tune in at the very beginning, you missed that. So there was some confusion caused by that. What else maybe was causing some of the confusion? They used a lot of factors that were in a, already in radio for, like, public uh, or official announcements for weather or emergencies. And they kind of stuck those in there, and it really threw off the people because they didn't. They thought it was a real advertisement. Right. So they interjected real feeling news reports and interrupted broadcasts at the same time that felt real. Um, what were some of the different storylines that occurred in the movie that were were followed along? Um, there was a boy who wanted to go off to war, and his dad wouldn't let him. And there was. Um, this rich family who were really rude to their servants. Okay. Um, let's talk about the boy that wanted to go off to war. When when was this radio play produced? What war was going on? Uh, right before World War II. Right. So this was before America had entered the war, and radio was how people were getting um, all of the facts on the, the news reports from the front lines. And a lot of people wanted to go join the fight before America had officially joined. Um, so that kind of led into some of this panic that was caused by the radio play. They were already listening to these kind of events happening in real life um, and afraid of invading forces from another country. Of course, in the radio play, it wasn't another country. It was Mars and the Martians. Okay, so that's the night that panicked America. This This early instance of science fiction being misinterpreted as real life do you think this could happen today no 
No. There's too many ways to cross-reference media and uh, announcements. Okay. Yes, we have Twitter. <laughs> okay. So, Twitter and other social media, which we're going to talk and about Facebook. in a minute. And the Facebook, yes. Definitely, because, like, in astronomy class, we were talking about how some scientists had uh, solved that the zodiac signs had changed, and that wasn't true, and everybody flipped out about it. Right. So, that's a good example. The uh, NASA changing the zodiac uh, to the 13 original zodiac, which scientifically is correct, but astrologically um, is not what's typically followed by most people following astrology, not astronomy. So that caused some confusion, even though there's always been 13 um, Zodiac constellations. Uh, NASA didn't really change anything. They just laid out the facts. Um, So let's talk about uh, social media in a minute. What other documentaries and things did we watch that kind of led into this discussion? What mockumentary did we watch or clips from um there was megalodon and the mermaids okay so the discovery channel and the animal planet productions of mermaids the body found and the megalodon monster shark lives okay so what were those about let's summarize that (laughs) anybody (laughs) um Megalodon was about this giant shark that used to exist but doesn't anymore, but they were convincing people that they had found it. Right. So they were trying to portray it as still alive today. Okay. <laughs> what about the mermaid one? It's, it's basically the same story. Basically the same. Uh, but Except mermaids never existed. Right. According to science. That's what you think. No. Right. Uh, unlike Megalodon, there is no fossil evidence at all for mermaids. Um, which lends a little bit of more factual evidence for Megalodon, being that there was once an actual creature. Uh, we talked about a instance of an actual new species of whale being discovered, this large mammal uh, discovered last year in, in uh, Alaska. How does that support maybe these claims by the Discovery Channel? Because we're finding such large animals out in the wild that previously nobody knew about, it kind of leads to people believing, you know, there could be something even bigger or greater uh, yet undiscovered, such as Megalodon or mermaids. Right, right. So there is these instances in scientific literature where this does happen. Um, This new whale species, uh, the coelacanth, which was a fossil fish that was rediscovered. Um, And we know that there are animals living today that, are living fossils, things that have been around for a while. Um, So what ways, though, did that article tell us we probably shouldn't believe these claims? Uh, Because the whale that was discovered had factual evidence. We actually found the carcass, the remains of the body, so we could back that up. Whereas Megalodon, we have, you know, wives' tales. Right, right. So we actually have physical evidence. not circumstantial evidence and not video evidence which can be faked Uh, and of course eyewitness reports which are as we know not very reliable to begin with okay so these are though these things though have been believed by people 
And part of the problem with the Me Megalodon documentary was the same problem with The Night That Panicked America and the radio broadcast of War of the Worlds. There was a small discla disclaimer given at the very beginning of the program that a lot of people missed and believed this to be a true documentary. Uh, part of the Megalodon problem is that they also aired this program during Shark Week, which historically Shark Week is supposed to have been a place for facts and real documentaries about real things and was started by Discovery Channel to be a uh, public service announcement uh, awareness program for why sharks are good and not bad. Uh, what famous movie started the notion that sharks are evil man killers? Jaws. All of them. Jaws. Uh, there, there was a huge drop-off in uh, vacationers going to the beach after Jaws premiered uh, because people were scared to go into the water. Um, this was the tagline of the movie. Uh, so these movies and these programs have a significant influence on the public. Uh, and that's where we need to start picking up on how much of this is true and how much of this isn't. Um, so there are other Discovery Channel programs that do this. They air frequently during these special programs. Um, what other things that we have talked about might sway public opinion the wrong way? Uh, just because of social media's input on people, you can pretty much put whatever you want to out for others to see. And it's not fact check. It doesn't have researchers with it. I mean, you can basically just state whatever you want, and people will go and believe it. Right. Um, so social media, and actually has been used by uh, Discovery Channel as a viral campaign for Shark Week. They put out a video that turned out to be completely, totally fake. Um, of, of a bull shark in Lake Ontario, uh, which scared people in the area into thinking that there were now sharks in the water of the lake. Um, so this thing, this does happen. This happens regularly. So even though we may think it's silly and easily avoided because we have the internet at our fingertips, we can fact check things, it does happen. Uh, one thing that concerns me, and I'm going to give you some statistic, uh, is what what has been coined by the internet the anti-science movement. Um, there's a lot of misinformation out there on all kinds of scientific topics that we need every day. Um, vaccines, genetically modified organisms, and a whole host of other technologies that benefit our quality of living are under attack by this anti-science movement. Um, and without going into the details of those topics, um, I just want these statistics to stand out. Uh, this was a, uh, a research done by the Pew Research Center. It is an online poll that sticks to scientifically accurate polling, uh, large sample pools, and they polled normal citizens and scientists from the American Association for the Advancement of Science. And this is some of their facts. So 89% of scientists say that GMOs, genetically modified organisms, are safe for human consumption. It's not 100%. There are some, some scientists that still think that they're not. But 89% believe that they are. 57% of American citizens think they are unsafe. That's a huge gap. Okay. 
The same thing happens with other topics. When we talk about that humans are the primary cause of climate change, 87% of scientists say that we are. However, 50% of the public believes that. Half of the public thinks that climate change is not human-induced. I'm not saying that it is. This is just how people think. But it is. (laughs) Okay. 33% point gap on the question on whether humans evolved over time. 98, almost 100% of scientists say that we have. 65% of the public believe that humans have changed and evolved over time. These are all Americans, right? Yes. This is American. This This poll was done in America. Okay. Now... 20% 20% margin difference between scientists and citizens to favor offshore drilling. Citizens favor it more than scientists do. Okay, So there we've got a host of different scientific topics. And these things are th- things that are being, that are laws are being written on. Um, they're being deliberated, deliberated in the government right now. Um, and scientists differ very greatly from what the normal citizen thinks about these things. So let's talk about why this gap exists. Why do you think these happen? Why do you think this difference in opinion is there? Higher education. Okay, so there's an education gap maybe that scientists have gone to more schooling and gotten degrees and things like that. Have a better understanding of our environment. Okay. And evidence. Okay, so they... They're not basing theirs off of other sources. A lot of them have gone out and found their own evidence proven to themselves okay well some of these polls these aren't like for example the climate change scientists are not who's all this poll some of them are biologists some of them are are medical fields they're not necessarily doing the research so they're relying on other people to do the research so why do you think it's ignorance like like if you ask older people they're more likely to believe things opposite of the scientists because back when the older people were going to school Back when they were kids, it wasn't acceptable to think these things. It wasn't acceptable for these things to be understood. And people freaked out about it when they first heard about it. Okay. So that kind of goes with the education gap. They, you have preconceptions about what how the world works, and they don't want to learn the new facts. They don't want to learn this new way of thinking. Um, yeah, those are all valid points. Um, the understanding of science um, I think is one of the biggest problems scientific literacy being able to understand scientific concepts is where this gap comes from Uh, people that want to learn are going to do the research and understand it whereas people that don't understand the science are more likely to believe in more simple simple explanation right okay so then we get stuff like essential oils and uh, all these crazy home remedies that are passed around on Facebook and social media and people pass it on because it sounds like it would work, you know, or it makes sense to them. Um, This is why for millennia we thought that the earth was flat and that the sun went around the earth because from our perception... Some of us still do. From our perception, that's the simplest answer, right? Okay, um... So let's talk about social media. Why do you think so many people share and believe these posts with just blatant disregard? They're seen in, like, mass quantities, especially uh, if a post has been reposted plenty of times. If you see it 
more than like 10 times, you might believe it. Okay, so frequency. Yeah. We're seeing it over and over and over again. We're more likely to believe it, right? Maybe. What are some other reasons you think people share this stuff without really... Not caring. They just don't care if it's true or not. They're just like, hey, that sounds cool. I'll share this. Maybe somebody else that has something to say about it. Okay. Any other thoughts? What about... Um, what about deliberate deception, trolling on the internet? Uh, I think there's a lot of humor that goes into the internet and people trying to confuse others just for their own entertainment. And then you have those people that do believe it, like the spaghetti trees in uh, Sweden. Yeah, yeah. The, the BBC America or BBC uh, news report of the spaghetti trees, one of the first April Fool's Day uh, news articles, right? The spaghetti tree harvest and people mm -hmm. believed it it was a complete troll where he thought it would the guy who come up with the idea thought it would be hilarious to put in the newspaper and get people to believe this and see how many people would but to each his own humor you know uh because everybody else that new spaghetti <laughs> does not come from a tree also knows that's a lie right so it's funny to them yeah. It's the people who are ignorant of the joke who might believe it and pass it on. That's where the humor comes from. Um, so how can that be bad? If it's funny, how is that – how could that be bad? Because then you have a lot of people that are misinformed and don't understand how things actually work. And then they take that information and share it. And then more people start to believe in something that isn't true. Right. Right. And when it's a spaghetti tree, it doesn't matter. We, we that's easily fixed yeah, like people are something like global that. warming is more severe and could cause permanent damage to our ecosystem right so when we start to getting into bigger issues like global warming vaccines and all of this kind of stuff then it becomes detrimental to society and that's where it's dangerous so there's a there's a line somewhere and i don't think the internet knows how to cr not cross the a difference line between spaghetti trees and global warming yeah exactly exactly um, so what emerging media during the War of the Worlds broadcast was suspect or brought to being suspect? We're talking about social media today as a news source that's suspect. What media source? I think just the radio itself, just because it was untested. Nobody really knew much about it. It was a new invention. So, and they were used to getting all their information and facts from newspapers who back-checked everything and made sure everything was correct, Supposedly. whereas the radio could play whatever they wanted to. Right, right. So radio was the new media, and uh, the night that Panicked America was written as a basis from the news reports on the event, and it may surprise you that the newspapers reported mass hysteria due to the radio play when there really wasn't as much as you would be led to believe. So why would the newspapers want to hype it up? Uh, because you have that mass hysteria and the people being lied to supposedly by these radio stations, you kind of get a sense of, you know, the radios want to sell more, or the newspapers want to sell more uh, publications and get more money towards more uh, sales, and whereas they try to just blame it off on the radio for them trying to lie to the general public yeah so they wanted to sow the seeds of doubt in the radio as a as a news source they wanted people to go back to buying the newspapers 
Um, we don't really see that today with social media, um, but news companies, uh, the news producers, are getting, jumping on the viral bandwagon. Uh, they'll play viral videos. They'll play stuff from the Internet that, for us, we probably have already seen a hundred times by the time it gets to the news. Um, and that is being more and more the way news is being presented today. Less fact-checking and more jumping on the viral bandwagon to get those stories that have the most popularity out there. Views and everything. The most views, yeah. It's all for the like. Do it for the vine. Um <laughs> Uh, which is not a longer a thing, right? I hope not. <laughs> R.I.P. Vine. Uh, yeah. Right. Um, so social media is instantaneous. We can share what we want. We can share it instantly. Typically, we don't fact check. Would you more likely share something that I sent you versus maybe one of your classmates science speaking? Uh I would hope so, just because okay. you are a science teacher. Because you trust me as someone who has fact-checked it before I shared it, right? I'm Supposedly. sorry, but if my teacher sends me anything, <laughs> well, I'm not. Right, we're not, we're not, I'm not with you all on social media. But if I post something to Twitter, you're more likely to retweet something that I post that's interesting rather than The Onion, because you know the source is trusted. And I think this is where a lot of people, um, trusted, uh, a lot of people fall into with Facebook and other things because they trust their fellow peers and their friends when they post stuff and they repost the things that their friends have posted. Um, so this is the danger of social media um, as, as a news source. Um, so we're going we're gonna to r- quickly run out of time here in a minute, so we're going to wrap things up. Um, we're going to try to keep these to about 30 minutes. Uh, in our podcasts so the the takeaway from this what is the takeaway from all of this one of you guys want to kind of sum it all up don't believe what you see fact check get a viable source okay fact check get retweet sources. your science teacher <laughs> retweet De- at devin underscore cherry <laughs> um <laughs> shout out <laughs> <laughs> um yeah trust your sort get trusted sources uh fact check those uh, before you just retweet or share. Um, we have the world at our fingertips and the abar- ability to share it instantaneously. We need to be responsible with that, not a bunch of trolls, right? Okay. So it's up to us to research and understand and verify the information before we share it on social media. And maybe if we start to think things before we share them, we can start trusting science again. That's what I want from this class. I want you guys to be skeptical of things that you see, but also start trusting in the science again. Um, So that's all we've got this time. For the next podcast, we will be talking about time travel and paradoxes, and it will be a little less or a little bit more lighthearted. Shout out to Chris's mom. (laughs) All right, guys. Thank you. Megalodon lives forever. (laughs) (laughs) 